Welcome to Metal Injections, the Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest, Nita Strauss. And now, here's your host, Rob Paspani. Hello, Metal Injection Junkies, live from New York City. Well, I guess it's not live. Live to tape, it's Rob. Thank you for tuning into the Squared Circle Pit where we study the intersection, where we explore. We don't study the intersection of metal and wrestling. This is your first ever episode of Squared Circle Pit. I implore you, go back, check out the archives. You can go to metalinjection.net slash squared circle pit. We have a ton of awesome interviews with metalheads, with professional wrestling personalities, uh, and, and there's a lot of cool stuff. Some past interviews include Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, Eric Bischoff, which was one of my favorites on the wrestling side. And on the Bubba Ray Dudley I interviewed as well. On the metal side, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, Maynard from Tool, uh, let's, the, the Corpse Grinder from Cannibal Corpse. The list goes on. Check out the archives. A lot of great stuff with Squared Circle Pit. Today's guest, I'm really excited, is Nita Strauss. She's Alice Cooper's guitar. She is a awesome, awesome guitar player. And you may have recognized her or seen her if you happen to watch this little wrestling event called WrestleMania 34. She was the one who played Shinsuke Nakamura out to the stage. And I talked to her about everything that went down from beginning to end, how she ended up on that WrestleMania stage playing Shinsuke in. Uh, her favorite matches, her how she got into wrestling. A lot of fun stuff. It's my interview with Nita, and come back at the end. I'm going to give you some thoughts on the greatest Royal Rumble. Now entering the squared circle pit, we have one of the best guitarists in heavy metal right now. You may have seen her on stage with Alice Cooper. She's currently at the final stretch of crowdfunding her new solo album, and she just performed at the biggest wrestling event of the year, WrestleMania. Nita Strauss, thank you for entering the Squared Circle Pit. <laughs> that is so awesome, the Squared Circle Pit. It's, uh, it's genius. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. This uh, podcast is all about the intersection of metal fandom and wrestling fandom. And I feel... That's right my alley. Yeah, the Venn diagram for you would just be one circle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. I'm a mark... I'm a metalhead. So <laughs> yeah, I'm all about it. I'm surprised I haven't already been a listener of your podcast from day one, but I'll definitely be subscribing after this. Yeah, yeah. We talked to metalheads about wrestling and wrestlers about metal, so it, it works out. That's awesome. And you know, I, I want to talk to you about a lot of stuff, but let's talk. Let's talk about your album really quick. You're you're working on this new solo album. You're you have a few days left on the crowdfunding. Tell us a little more about it. Yeah, that's right. So as you mentioned in the intro, you know, I'm, I'm somebody else's guitar player and I've spent most of my career as somebody else's guitar player. So when I started, you know, coming up with the concept of doing my solo record, we did talk to quite a few record labels about picking it up. But at the end of the day, I wanted to do something that was just on my own. I didn't want to have to depend on anybody. I didn't want to have to ask a label for approval or input or you know, ask permission when I can go on tour or what I can put on the album art or anything. Like, I just wanted to do one thing that was uniquely and only, you know, my own from myself. So that's why we ended up going the crowdfunding route. And it's been going so incredibly well. I'm, I'm so honored and thrilled by the response and can't wait to get this album out. 
That's awesome. So you have the album written? Are you still writing it? Or where is, where, what's, the, what's the status of it? It's about halfway done. Mm-hmm. And you have kind yeah, of like a, a schedule? Of, oh, sorry, I was going to ask if you have like a, a timeline in your head of, of when you want it to be released or, or when you're looking to put it out? It'll be out late September of this year. Oh, okay. So you're, you have a tight deadline for, for yourself and, and you're going to get it. I have a this. schedule, yes. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, uh, my touring schedule with Alice Cooper is so, you know, it's really sort of set in stone and there's only so many little breaks I get that I can do my own thing in. So this, uh, this little break I have right now, Alice is working with his other band, The Hollywood Vampires. So that gives me a couple months to, uh, you know, to work on my signature guitar, do some guitar clinics on my own and work on recording this album. And then we go on tour August through September, and then we have two-week break in September, and then we're out all of October. So mm -hmm. then, you know, then it would push my album release to November, and I don't really need to wait that long. So I think September will be perfect, that little break that I have in September. Yeah, that sounds like uh, it just makes the most sense. And uh, you've been keeping very busy besides, besides the album. I mentioned it at the top of the show. You performed at WrestleMania, which must have been the thrill of a lifetime. <laughs> and uh, I, wanna, yeah. I, I want to talk all about it. And uh, you mentioned on some other podcasts uh, about how you got into wrestling, but just in case people haven't heard, I, I was just curious if you could just tell the story of how you got into pro wrestling. Sure. Uh, so I started dating my boyfriend, Josh, about three and a half years ago. And he works, he works really closely in the wrestling circle. He works with a lot of wrestlers uh, in the indie scene and in WWE. So a few months after we started dating, I said, you know, on a nice Sunday afternoon, I said, so what do you want to do today? He said, I want to watch WrestleMania. <laughs> and I was like, WrestleMania? <laughs> like, you know, I didn't grow up, uh, I didn't grow up with any TV. Like, I, I grew up in a house that didn't watch TV. So I didn't know anything about wrestling. I thought wrestling was like a kid's thing. And I was like, you want to watch wrestling? He goes, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of a big deal. And I want to see what's going on. And uh, so this was the WrestleMania where Sting came back. So this is like a huge deal, and we were watching it with people, and everyone was going, oh, my gosh, Sting in WWE. This is so crazy. And me, as you know, my first time watching wrestling, I was like, what is the big deal? This pro <laughs> guy coming out of broad daylight didn't get it at all. Like, I didn't get it at all. Mm -hmm. So uh, so we watched it, and you know we had gotten the network. We got the free trial of the network, the 30-day trial, so you can watch WrestleMania, you can watch pay-per-view. And I said, well, since we have this 30 days, why don't you show me some stuff? You like this, you know, you date someone new, you want to find out about their interests. And I said, this is this is something you like. Show me why you like it. Like, what's cool about this? So he put on the special about the Monday Night Wars. And there's like this 14-part special. If any of you guys listening haven't watched this, there's this 14-part special on the network that basically just talks through everything from like ECW to WCW to NWO to like all the different feuds and everything going on. And by the time we got to the end of that, I was completely hooked. And uh, I think I'm like, <laughs> I must have a record for the most hours spent just like watching the network and catching up on stuff. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, the Monday Night Wars is was an incredible documentary and a great way to really like kind of get a quick history lesson. Uh, I'm curious with uh, so WrestleMania 32 is your first thing. How confused were you for the main event when it was Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns and then all of a sudden this other guy runs out with a briefcase? 
Like, like, I was beyond confused. I was like, who is this guy? Why is he in a briefcase? Why is everyone so excited? What's the big deal? And, and they're like, oh my gosh, it's money in the bank. And, and I was like, money in the bank? Like, it made no, none of it. But to be fair, none of it made any sense. I didn't, you know, like, right, right. You don't understand the feuds, you know, like, it's funny because now, you know, Josh loves to tell the story that he'll come home and he'll find me watching, like, a random raw from 2003. He's like, why are you watching this? And this is because I put on a pay-per-view and it made no sense. The storyline made no sense. So I had to go back and watch all oh, that's the beauty of the network. You can go back and watch the build up. And it's like, okay, you know, now this is why they're feuding and this is what the deal is. So that's uh, that's the beauty of, of having the WWE network. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so who, who are some of your favorites, either past or present, just some characters that you find yourself drawn to? Uh, I've always really liked uh, High Flyers, so I like RVD, Rey Mysterio, uh, and I also like uh, I like good performers, good characters like Flair and uh, Ultimate Warrior. You know, the, like the, the showmen, the ones that like, really make you care. Like Ultimate Warrior wasn't the best technician; he didn't have the best move set. But man, when he started running to the ring, you really care about the outcome of that match, and that's what I like about him. Yeah. That's that's awesome. And so you've been watching now, I'm guessing, for like three years now. Uh, you, you have a busy schedule. Yeah, I, guess how, a, I guess three years and change. Yeah. Yeah. How do you keep up with it? How do you how do you keep up? Like, do you try to keep up with it? Do you watch Raw every week? Do you kind of just check in for the pay-per-views? I try to watch every week. I try to. I don't always make it, you know, with mm -hmm. my touring schedule. Uh, the guys always laugh at me because I always DVR Raw, Raw and SmackDown on the bus on USA. <laughs> so, you know, they try to watch something on the bus. It's like, you cannot watch, you know, Monday Night Raw is in the process of recording. They're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I try to keep up as much as I can. And I definitely, you know, definitely do keep up with the pay-per-views. I got up at 8 o'clock in the morning to watch the Greatest Royal Rumble pre-show. So I guess you could say I'm pretty committed. <laughs> that, is, that is commitment. That's right. You are on the West Coast. It was <laughs> during the afternoon for me. So I had a early work day uh, to watch it. Uh, so let's talk mm -hmm. a little bit about... Uh, WrestleMania, that was such a cool moment. And it was so crazy. I remember uh, you and Josh were shown in the crowd the night before at NXT. And just in my head, I'm like, yeah. that's kind of random. Like, did they just fly down just to watch the shows? Like, <laughs> like are they like that big fans? You know, and I, I thought it was cool that they acknowledged you. And then, of course, the next day, there you are shredding your head off uh, as Nakamura comes out in like the most swag entrance he could ever have. And uh, how did how did it all come about? Like, what what was the impetus for this? So it's you know Josh, as well as being my boyfriend, is also my manager. Mm -hmm. And he, the great thing about having a manager like him is he's a visionary. Like, I'm a really good guitar player, but that's all I do. You know, I don't have the I don't see the bigger picture really. I just go, man, I can play some good guitar, and that's that's my strength. And his strength is coming up with cool ideas and coming up with cool stuff. So in January, I remember he had he got this idea in his head. He's like, you're going to play Nakamura's song at WrestleMania. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we don't know anyone at WWE, really, you know, vaguely, you know, through, the, you know, we know a few of the wrestlers and a few of, you know, the bad people in the bag. We don't know their music team or Triple H or Vince or anybody um, but he's just had this idea in his head and he started making phone calls and asking around, asking who the right person would be to talk to. And, you know, he had me play, make a video in my dressing room on, on the Alice tour playing Nakamura's song, just like literally 
playing along to it from YouTube in my dressing room and sent that around. And uh, I think it was maybe 10 days before WrestleMania that we first got in contact with the right people with WWE's music supervisor. And I think it was less, it was about a week, I think, before the actual event that we got confirmed. Wow, that's so cool. So it was really just Josh kind of advocating for you and, and campaigning and lobbying to get you on that stage. That's awesome. Oh, totally, yeah. And and the cool thing was when I talked to, you know, when I finally did have the first conversation with WWE, they're like, oh, yeah, you've been on our radar. Like, we've been wanting to do something with you, you know, and your name has come up a lot. So, you know, we've had, we've had an idea like this already. So I think it would just be, it was like really synchronicity. And we actually had already booked our plane tickets. You know, we had already, we're like, you know what, we're just going to go. And if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. But, you know, I really believe that you speak what you want into existence. And we definitely spoke that into happening. Right. You visualized it and it happened. I love it. Exactly. You know, we went to SmackDown a few months before and, you know, they had the WrestleMania sign up, of course. And I told Josh, here, take a picture of me pointing at the sign. <laughs> you, you visualize it and it happened. You know, I, I pointed at that damn WrestleMania sign and there I was a few months later playing at WrestleMania. So point at the sign when you go to the, the live events. And then you'll end up at WrestleMania. That's the rule. <laughs> it, you know what? If, if history is any indication, then yes. Uh, I thought it was so cool that, like, you know, Alice Cooper had that big moment at WrestleMania three, walking out Jake the Snake Roberts, and 31 years later, you're there shredding, having your own moment. I thought that was like a cool little synchronicity that worked out with the WWE and Alice Cooper. Yeah, and how cool that they mentioned that, you know, like that's a lot of the newer fans might not know that, you know, that I knew it, but. A lot right. of the newer people watching, maybe they they had no idea that Alice was once a part of, you know, a huge storyline of WrestleMania. So yeah, it, yeah, it and they go really back cool and watch. They mentioned it. Now, was it hard to learn Nakamura's theme? Is is it a difficult song? Because also part of it was like mostly written on violin, or, or was it pretty straightforward? No, it wasn't hard to be honest with you. Like, I don't mean to sound egotistical, but it wasn't. No, no. <laughs> it's not a hard song, you know. Like, right, right. It's not like going in there and playing Dream Theater or Cannibal Corpse or something that's like really fast tempo or anything. Like, it's a really straightforward melodic song. So, I was just able to have fun with it. Uh, that's funny that you mentioned Cannibal Corpse earlier when you were talking about DVRing raw. It reminded me I had Corpse Grinder on the show, and he says that he DVRs it at home. And basically, when he gets home from tour, he ha- he goes through like six months of, of Raw and SmackDown, like chronologically, to, to get all caught up on the story. <laughs> so that oh is coming. Oh my lord, they don't have a DVR on their bus? <laughs> I, got, I don't know. I got, maybe maybe the rest of the band doesn't want to play it. But, they so, put them up on the network like two weeks later. <laughs> you got to talk to him. You got to give him a better strategy here. Maybe, I'll let maybe... him know. I'll, I'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll trade touring wrestling fan secrets. I like it. I like it. Uh, so you how, how long before WrestleMania did you get down? Like, what was there like a rehearsal? What was the, What was that like? So we uh, we were out in New Orleans, and, and they basically just said, you know, can you just be around if we want to do a rehearsal? And I said, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely be there. And we were planning on being there anyway. You know, we went to the Hall of Fame. We went to NXT, which was amazing. And, uh, you know, and and a few days before they said, we're just going to we're just gonna run it on Sunday. And I was like, Sunday? Wow. Like, <laughs> WrestleMania Sunday. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 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 we'll just run it when you get in. I was like, okay. That sounds, you know, like, what am I going to say? No, I need more practice time. I said, okay, 
that you know there's only one thing that you can say and that is that sounds great right you know let me know yeah. what time you'd like me there so i said that sounds wonderful sir thank you very much let me know what time you'd like me at the arena and they said uh you know sound check will be at one so we got there at noon and uh got all set up and we ran it three times uh so i met shinsuke on stage actually like right at that moment and i thanked him i said thank you very much for this opportunity to play your music and he said well uh you're welcome but actually i didn't know this was happening <laughs> so you don't really need to thank me <laughs> so that kind of goes to show you like they have everything very organized but it's very on like a need-to-know basis it seems like yeah and uh so yeah it's uh so I, we ran it once and then shinsuke wanted to watch it back to see what it looked like and what i was doing and then we ran it back uh twice more and then literally, like, you know, there was a clock going. So you could see doors are in one hour and 15 minutes. And then WrestleMania starts, you know? Right. So we're like, okay, we better uh, better get off the stage. Uh, Vince actually came out and gave me some notes, which was really cool. And uh, and then we were done. Then we're off to the races. And the so, doors opened and WrestleMania started. So if I could just zero in on that. So, like, was Vince doing producing? Like, who was kind of giving you the cues? It was Vince and uh, WWE's music supervisor, Neil, and uh, also Michael Hayes. Oh, cool. Uh, and so, like, yeah. were there any any fun insights from Michael Hayes or, or, or Vince McMahon that, that you would try, other than, you know, the basic, like, stand here or whatever? Uh, it was mostly stand here. This that, you know, Vince is a funny story I've told, I've told a, a few times, but it's such a great story. Vince, Vince came out after the first time and... Uh, he said, beautiful, beautiful, you know, well, great job. I, I have one suggestion for you. And I said, yes, sir, anything, you know, any suggestions, please, you know, would be very welcome. I don't know what I said, but it probably sounded exactly like that. He said, yes, absolutely, anything you say, like, <laughs> and he said, so when the camera cuts from you to the violins, you know, because there was a lot of violin players on the stage, he said, when the camera cuts from you to the violin players, I want you to jump. And I said, that sounds great when does that happen and he said well when the camera cuts from you to the violin players and he said oh no i understand that but i like i can't see i'm out here on stage i don't know what the camera's doing <laughs> so there was this moment of like oh my god i want so much to do what he's saying but i have no idea what that means <laughs> he's giving me a camera note when i don't see the cameras right right so i you know after a few times i just sort of went yeah okay you know what i got it that sounds great Thank you. Uh, let me run it again and let me see if uh, if this is what you want. And he said, okay, cool. And then I turned to Michael Hayes and a couple people were I said, please tell me that one of you guys knows when that is, <laughs> what part of the song this happens in, because I don't know. I can't see the cameras. Right. You know? So uh, so one of them actually went back and watched on the cameras and said, okay, it's going to be right before the song hits. And that's, uh, that's when the jump's going to be. And uh, it was a true Vince McMahon genius moment because that jump looked really sick on the cameras. Yeah, it looked awesome. And so, like, it's it's 10 seconds before your cue to begin playing. What is going through your head looking at, like, 70,000 people, 70,000 wrestling fans? Oh, my God, I was so excited. I was so excited. Like, I didn't get any sleep. I wasn't nervous, you know, because the song's not hard. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's, playing guitar is all I do. But I was so excited. And the tension in that room was so intense. You know, like the Nakamura Styles match was the one everybody wanted to see, myself included. So uh, it was just like you could cut the tension and the excitement in the room with a knife. And it was just like, I was just excited. 
And then, you know, it, I thought the whole thing went down. So it was essentially the best entrance, I feel, of WrestleMania this year. It was so cool. I'm sure you must have felt like really excited after. What was the vibe like when you were done and, and you go backstage to watch the match? Oh, it was, it was so awesome. It was so amazing. You know, Vince gave me a big hug and, and complimented me. He said, such charisma, which I thought was <laughs> so cool. Uh, you know, it was amazing being back there, just being in gorilla position and getting to be there. You know, as we were there getting ready for the match, Shinsuke and AJ were back there kind of like warming up and stretching you know, I went and did some interviews and came back and Brock and Roman were in there getting ready for their match. So it was like, it was really surreal, but there was just, everyone seemed really happy with it. Every the vibe overall was just really, really great. Was it kind of crazy to see all of that, like behind the curtain stuff? Like as a fan, you just assume it's all, you know, I don't want to say like all improv in the ring, but you kind of don't think about all that stuff. And here you are seeing them like working out their moves and all that stuff. You know, they didn't, I, I will, to be honest, I didn't see them do any of that. Mm, you know, it was okay. it was more just them. I, I'm sure they do, uh, but it was more just them, like kind of like getting in the zone, warming up. Brock was jumping around. You know, it was cool. I see. They're more like hyping themselves up to go out. To, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And were you able to watch any of? I'm guessing you probably didn't watch much of what happened before your performance, but did you watch the stuff? Oh, after? we watched almost all of it. Like, oh, really? You know, we're such big fans. You know, uh, so when we my dressing room had like pretty easy access to actually like sort of the back of the crowd. Mm -hmm. So we just stood at the back of the crowd, you know, by one of the aisles and watched almost all the matches. Oh, that's awesome. You know, when, uh, when Rhonda came out, we actually snuck up. I had my makeup like half on, you know, <laughs> it was a total mess. And I just put a hood over my head and we ran up and kind of like snuck up near the front and watched the whole match. It was awesome. That match was so much better than I thought. Of. Like that was the match of the night, I would argue. I, I was a, I was special really about that. I totally that. agree. Yeah. And you guys went, did, did you guys go to Raw and SmackDown as well? We did. By the time you're, you're at SmackDown, are you a little wrestling fatigued or were you still just as excited <laughs> as the first day? We were a little burned out. I would be lying <laughs> if I said we weren't a little burned out, but it was still so much fun, you know, like, and, and WWE, they treated us like rock stars, you know, they treated us like so incredibly well. And when they said, you know, on Monday, they said, so you're coming back tomorrow, right? We're like, I don't know. We were kind of just thinking we we're just going to chill on our last day in New Orleans. They're like, no, you have to come. Like, you're our guest. Come on out. And, we're, you know, how do you, again, you know, I keep saying, yeah, you can't turn that out? down. Yeah. You... <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> we got some other stuff to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that sounds really cool. And then, so, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the wrestling stuff. So, do you just watch WWE, like just watch the network, or do you check out any of the indies, uh, any New Japan? Yeah, we. Yeah, we, we do a lot. Uh, we actually, I've played at an indie promotion uh, in L.A. where we live called PCW Ultra. Uh, oh, awesome. I played, before even WWE, I played RVD's music. I played uh, The Great Muda. I played Pentagon. Uh, you know, I'll be back there this Friday, this coming Friday, May 4th. I'm not playing, just going to be there as a fan. So it's it's really fun to go to the indies. And, of course, I'll be playing, uh, I'll be playing Mick Foley's music on Thursday, for one of his uh, the twenty years of hell tour in in LA as well. That's awesome. Now, like you and Mick have, have kind of formed a, a bit of a friendship because I know he's a Alice Cooper fan and you're a wrestling fan, <laughs> and, and, and mm -hmm. it worked out. So, so how how did that come about? 
We met Mick at uh, at a Comic Con. Actually, we were signing oh, cool. down the hall from each other, and uh, and we had like a you know a little lull. And Josh said, "I'm going to go over and say hi to Mick Foley." And next thing I know, Mick Foley is just like walking up to my table, like, "Hey, I heard you were over here. I just want to introduce myself." I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, we, we ended up talking, getting to know each other. The three of us went out to dinner that night, and we just have stayed in contact. And Mick has come to a couple of Alice Cooper shows, and I'm really excited to go to a couple of his shows coming up. And it's just really, really been a, a cool friendship. And Mick is, is such a great person and such a great supporter. It's It's been really amazing. That's so awesome. Uh, yeah, he's one of my all-time favorites, absolutely. Like, his body of work uh, is just like he did some crazy things, <laughs> but also yeah. it was a great, it was a great promo. So like when you go back to the network, is there a particular era that you find yourself drawn to or, or particular wrestlers or it, it, do you kind of randomize it? I love watching attitude era. Mm -hmm. it, that's what I'm always drawn to. Like, you know, the last, I guess the last uh, little while I've been watching some of the, some of the later stuff, like, you know, when they did ECW One Night Stand, kind of like 2005, 2006-ish. Yeah. But, uh, so I thought there were some really cool angles. You know, there was a, a great storyline going on with Mick Foley and Terry Funk and, and Tom and me. It's, it's weird to see Dreamer and everybody all in WWE, but I think it's kind of cool. So I like uh, I like watching that stuff, but it's, it's usually the Attitude Era. You can't go wrong with the classics. Yeah, I mean, Attitude Era for me also is just such a fun time just growing up during it you know that i'm i'm always drawn to it i always find myself going back to old wcw stuff as well just because it's so completely different like the the presentation of it uh and like one of my all-time favorite completely different yeah especially like the early 90s late 80s when it's like much more southern and i i really enjoy that kind of like cheesiness of it yeah uh but and also one of my all-time favorites i always end up going back to uh holly Halloween Havoc and watching Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, which is like maybe the best cruiserweight match of all time. I don't know. If we literally seen. just watched that uh, yesterday or day before yesterday. <laughs> That's awesome. Literally, yeah. I watched that for the first time. I haven't watched much WCW. You know, mm. my my resident wrestling fan Josh. Every time I put WCW WCW on, he goes, "Ah, <laughs> <laughs> production value." And uh, yeah, we we just watched uh, we just watched when uh, they came out with RoboCop and oh my god, yeah, that's just like <laughs> it's uh, a little much. Yeah, it's unreal. But, uh, but the cruiserweight but stuff, fun. the cruiserweight stuff, especially if you mentioned you like the high flying, like I would recommend go through ninety seven, ninety eight. Just watch the cruiserweight matches because that was the best wrestling on the show it, at that time. Yeah. Like all the good WWE stuff was in the main event, and all the good WCW stuff was in like the opening three matches kind of thing. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm still learning. There's, you know, three years is a long time, but it's really not all that long. In no, thing. So that's I, what I want to learn. I have a friend that I, I got into professional wrestling kind of right around that time, like the SummerSlam right before that uh, WrestleMania. And it's kind of the same thing where uh, she got into jujitsu. So that was kind of her way of getting into wrestling. And like, we just get together and we're like, let's watch this. And it, it's just, it's fun. But I have to say for someone who's only been watching for three years, you got the terminology down pat. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, well, Nita, thank you so much for taking some time. I know you're super busy to talk to me about pro wrestling. Hopefully one of these days, either in New York or LA, we could catch an indie show or a WWE show together and, and talk nerd out even more with Josh as well, obviously. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. And anytime you're in L.A., let us know if you want to come to a PCW show because they're a ton of fun. I would love to go to a PCW show. I would love to check any and all indie pro wrestling out. I went out to L.A. last uh, Labor Day, and I caught PWG, their Battle of Los Angeles. I've been wanting to see them. Yeah, highly recommended. It's a crazy... I'm sure it's a, similar to the vibe of PCW and, like, bar wrestling, but it's its own little animal that they... Uh, that they've created so it's fun stuff yeah the, the thing that i like about pcw and this just might be me being like a little bit elitist because i've been touring for a long time and you know i just from what i understand i've never been to pwg i've heard nothing but amazing things mm -hmm. but i've also heard that there's like no air conditioning yes it's like really it's small brutal. it's really crowded <laughs> it's really hot like which is cool but if i can get that same rad high level of wrestling you know those guys in PCW Ultra, they knock over every single chair in the entire building. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, everybody's covered with blood and sweat and tax and everything by the end of it. But you can do it for the most part until they take your chair from you. You can, uh, <laughs> you can do it in an air-conditioned room, you know, with a seat and a, and a taco truck and, right, you know, yeah. a lot of all, all that good stuff. Seems much more comfortable as a, as a venue. <laughs> Uh, well, cool. Let's uh, once again. I want to mention your your solo album. If you'd like to, I guess it's it's essentially like a pre order of the album. If you'd like to uh, pre order Nita Strauss's album, you can check it out on Kickstarter. We'll have a link on the podcast page. Uh, uh, Nita, anything else you'd like to plug? No, just uh, yeah. We're just finishing up the Kickstarter. It's there are some super cool things that aren't going to be available after this Friday. Uh, there's everything from me wearing your band t-shirt on stage with Alice to coming having pizza with me at my favorite pizza place with me and Josh. You can talk wrestling or pizza or metal or whatever you want. Uh, Skype guitar lessons and uh, signed guitars of mine, anything. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff on there. So just I definitely encourage everybody to just check it out and see if there's something on there for you. Right. And just to clarify, at the minimum, you could pre-order the album, but there's also some other great packages like you just mentioned uh beyond yeah that. definitely nita thank you so much i really appreciate it everyone check out alice cooper this summer uh nita you're going to be doing your solo stuff we'll be covering it plenty here on metal injection have a great one thank you so much what a cool conversation with nita thank you so much she was awesome and if you dig her music check out her kickstarter and pre-order her new album get some cool perks uh she sounds sounds like it'll be a fun time that album and uh, it sounds like it was the opportunity of a lifetime for her to perform at WrestleMania. I mean, of course, she does work with Alice Cooper, so she gets many cool moments. But that has to be an all-time cool moment for Nita Strauss. And, uh, you know, Squared Circle Pit last week was the greatest Royal Rumble. Mm, was it the greatest? I don't know. I have some problems with the show. Uh, I mean, I guess as a sh just wrestling-wise, it was fine. It kind of seemed like a glorified house show there wasn't anything truly that impactful no titles changed hands the royal rumble itself was fun at times there were some cool surprises i actually really liked <clears throat> hornswoggle as a surprise entrance i love that daniel bryan broke the record for longest time in a royal rumble i thought that was cool and i kind of thought he was winning and then as soon as big cast came out as number 29 or whatever i kind of figured that oh, okay so this is how he's going to get eliminated to build up to their match which is this sunday at backlash 
I like Braun winning. I'm all about Braun. I think Braun should be the universal champion. Hopefully, this will help him get him there. Uh, and I liked, let's see, the mat- the best match of the show was the ladder match, I think, the IC title match. But the most cringy moment of the show, for me, uh, although I really don't know why I'm so surprised, was when they had the four trainees from Saudi Arabia talking about how they're going to, you know, make Saudi Arabia proud and, and be WWE champion or whatever they said. And then all of a sudden... Arya Davari's music hits and him and his older brother Sean Davari who my initial thing was like oh great for Sean Davari getting a booking in WWE again they come out with the Iranian flag which if you thought waving an Iranian flag in America gets you heat waving it in Saudi Arabia is like nuclear heat and it was the loudest boo 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 uh, and then, you know, they come out and they say how uh, the Davari say how the best wrestlers in the world are from Saudi Arabia. They're from Iran. <clears throat> boo, boo. And then naturally, of course, they get beat up by the locals, the Saudis, to massive cheers. And I mean, you know, look, on the one hand, this is the type of shitty jingoistic angle WWE has been doing for four wrestling has been doing since the beginning of time. This is a, a very basic wrestling angle. So in that sense, I'm kind of like, am I really surprised? No. But the difference is, both of these countries are have a very serious problem with each other. And like, they don't like it. And it's like, legit. This isn't... <laughs> I, I, I can't... Put it this way. Arya Davari today had to issue an apology uh, saying that he was just playing a character and that he, uh, you know, didn't mean the things that he said, and he didn't really say anything, I don't think, uh, and that, you know, he has nothing but respect for his Iranian heritage and Iranian culture. And the reason he said that was not, you know, you, you would possibly assume that he's getting threats from Saudis, but he's actually getting threats from Iranian people, uh, I'm assuming, because of uh, embarrassing the country and, and making the country look like weak jobbers, you know, like... And I think this is the type of dumb, old-school wrestling angle that just, it should it should just go away. It's it, We don't need it. It should go the way of the brawn panties match. Because these are, like, Arya Davari should not be fearing for his life because of some crazy Iranian person trying to, you know, make a statement because he insulted their country. Uh, that whole segment was not necessary. You could have achieved... The same exact thing without pushing the very real Iranian-Saudi Arabian conflict. And I think that, I hope WWE learns from that and uh, and avoids doing it in the future. And the other thing that I absolutely was just disgusted by was the uh, propaganda video. I mean, the whole show is a propaganda. The whole show was like, you know, Snickers sponsored WrestleMania. The country of Saudi Arabia was the sponsor of this show and the point of the show I realized watching it it wasn't necessarily to present an entertaining wrestling show because it was you know it was a by the number show it was a, like I said it was a house show the point of the show was to kind of get across how progressive Saudi Arabia is they had this whole video with all these women from the sports authority the the Saudi sports authority not the store <laughs> talking about oh there's change happening women can drive like 
you know, they did mention how women can finally drive. Like, I know we're a little behind in time, but they kept saying, like, this is such a big accomplishment. I guess it's a big accomplishment when women can't do shit, but it's like, it's very hard to give them too much credit when, you know, earlier in the week, and I don't want to get too political, but earlier in the week, they, there was a ridiculously destructive air raid drone attack on a Yemen wedding by the same government that is paying for this fucking show. So it, that part of it was really, really gross. And you know, it's it's to the point, like they, they said, they announced they're going to be doing another show in November. And I don't even know if I want to watch it. If it's just going to be another one of these like house shows where nothing of note happens other than Titus O'Neil tripping, I might just skip it because the, the political aspect of it is just way too gross. Now, I know it might seem a little... I don't know, hypocritical or whatever, because, I mean, you know, if, if, if you start thinking too hard about the politics, you can't really... None of the promotions are, are, are past the mustard with that uh, in terms of WWE or Ring of Honor being owned by Sinclair or New Japan and, and whoever owns them. But <clears throat> I try not to think about that. I try to focus on the wrestling. And WWE made it very, very hard to focus on the wrestling with the greatest Royal Rumble, and it's... Something, I don't know. I, I, just, I just feel uncomfortable about it. And uh, am, I, am I alone in this? Do you, would you agree? Would you disagree? I would love to hear your thoughts. Tweet at Squared Circle Pit. As my puppy is playing with her toy. <laughs> and uh, of course, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at Rob Injection. I'll be back much sooner than later. I'm going to be back very soon because I have a, a special quick interview with Chris Jericho on the next episode talking about his cruise and another special guest. I hope you will be able to join me on the next edition of Squared Circle Pit.